That's right, it's time for the Eddie and Webby Podcast! Yo, I'ma bust out some theme song action for you. Check it out. The Eddie and Webby Show is the place to be. They're talking about beer and pickleball and technology. So if you didn't know, now you know. Cause it's time for the Eddie and Webby Show. On today's episode, Eddie and Webby rehearse for the Grammys. This is the Eddie and Webby Podcast. That night, Max went to bed with his first ever paddle and dreamt of his next vacation, playing pickleball with Pop down in Florida. The end. Oh, hey, how's it going? This is Webby, not Eddie. And I'm Eddie, and this is our 33rd podcast. Oh, yeah. Episode number 33. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it either. 33. We are here and we have a great show for you guys today. We are live on Facebook, but not only from the Eddie and Webby page, but also on the Pickleball Forum. We are live on YouTube. And for the one person that cares, we're live on Twitch, right? Twitch Twitch Chris. You out there, Twitch Chris? (laughs) Hey, Twitch Chris. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) yes um as you guys know the show is meant to be interactive as i mentioned before we have a special guest today uh that we'll be introducing shortly so please get interactive guys bring those questions bring those comments over yes bring it bring it yeah um web you and i've been hanging out in person a lot lately way more than we normally have we have we have been hanging out in person a lot and it's been pretty awesome but uh as a result, we've done a lot fewer podcasts than we normally do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been four weeks since our last podcast, so we apologize uh, for that. But just know that we have a lot of great content coming to the channel and a lot of good stuff from our interactions. So, yes, stay tuned for oh, a lot yeah. of great stuff. Um, for sure. As I mentioned earlier, we have a very special guest today. We're going to be talking with him. Uh, we're also going to have a lot of pickleball content we are going to do a beer review but um what about the moment attack webby what what should we do about that yeah so the uh, i've actually got a lot of rave reviews about the the moment of tech i had a lot of fun doing it so i decided i think that should be a regular thing we do every single episode um but we're we're actually not going to do that on today's episode <laughs> i'm sorry to say uh we just we have way too much to get to we we haven't done a podcast in a while we got to catch up on some stuff so we just unfortunately we're not going to have time for the moment of tech today, but stay tuned because the moment of tech will be back. Oh, yes. Um, and also, we're going to try and do what we can to keep this one short today as well, because right after the podcast, Webby and I have to jump on a plane and head over to L.A. Um, you want to tell uh, everybody why we're doing so? Yeah, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. Um, but quite a while ago on the podcast, I, I jokingly said... I was going to submit the pickleball anthem um, for the best pickleball themed rap song. Um, And then I decided to just do it. I submitted it and we actually got nominated. Uh, So we're, we're going to be flying out for the Grammys, uh, which happens later tonight. So as soon as the podcast ends, we both got to head to the airport. And uh, if you don't get a chance to watch the Grammys tonight, uh, don't worry. We will 
have uh, some some video coverage of how it goes. Hopefully it goes in our favor. But regardless of what happens, just being nominated alone is a win in my book and a dream come true. And I can't believe it. Yes, absolutely. Um, before we get to our special guest, and I'm sure you guys are anxiously awaiting, Webby, what's going on in Twitter? Ah, yes, Twitter. Let me go ahead and pull Twitter up here on my phone and see what's going on. Um, here's a comment here from somebody named Dookie Hauser, and they say, the pickleball kid was a surprisingly great guest. However, it's kind of sad that a 13-year-old seemed a lot more interesting and intelligent than both Eddie and Webby combined. Man, I mean, <laughs> I, I tell you what, as much as I agree that the pickleball kid is a very impressive 13-year-old, why are these tweets always so mean, man? They're just so mean. <laughs> Stop being mean, Dookie. Yeah. Yeah. I really don't get it. I mean, is it like a requirement if you use Twitter that you you have to be mean and you have to be a troll? I mean, come on, people. But Seriously. anyways, thank, uh, thanks for the thanks for the comment, I guess. Uh, let's do another Twitter comment. Here's one from Beardy Sanders. I absolutely love the Eddie and Webby YouTube channel. I've noticed Webby's beard has been thicker lately and is on point. How does he keep it so nice looking? You know, That's actually, nice. I was going to say the same thing. Like, you know, I've seen you a couple of times over the last month and your beard is looking very nice. It's very luscious, but it's very masculine. Also very clean cut. What's going on with that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the comments. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, over the winter, I decided to try growing it a little thicker than I usually keep it for the past few years. I've kept it pretty trim. So I decided to grow it out a little longer than I usually do. Um, and in regards to what Beardy said about keeping it looking nice, I actually recently started using some really nice beard maintenance products. And uh, it's from a company called Tidy Beards. And I actually found out recently that the owner of the Tidy Beards company is a fellow pickleball player. How cool is that? Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah. Not only that, he's a pickleball player from Michigan. And everybody knows how uh, I love shopping local. So, I mean, that's a, that's a win in my book once I found that out. And uh, as a matter of fact, I actually have some of the things I've been using right here. And this is the Tidy Beards Beard Oil. And this is the Tidy Beards Beard Balm. Uh, the Beard Balm is good for like if you want to tame the beast. Let's say you wake up with your beard kind of going crazy or the some straggling hairs. That's a good thing to use. Um, the oil is what I've been using regularly. And this is vanilla and whiskey scented. And I got to tell you, I love the scent so much. Like I, sometimes I'm tempted to drink it. I mean, it's I don't recommend drinking it. I've I've never actually drank it, and I you should definitely not drink this. But it's uh, it's it smells good enough to drink. I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, it's it's great stuff. Um, thank you very much, Beardy, for uh, for commenting on on my beard. I actually I was playing pickleball yesterday, and two people uh, commented on my beard, and it's uh, it's, it's a pretty good feeling. Uh, yeah, when people recognize. <laughs> Well, if, if you want um, a nice beard like Webby, you can go to tidybeards.com. You can use code PICKLE20, and you can get 20% off of your first order with Tidy Beards, and you'll be supporting a company owned by a fellow pickleball player. Oh, nice. That's very yeah. nice. Very cool. Yep. Um, but how about we get... Uh, let's do one more Twitter comment. Okay. Uh, here, here's one from Chewbacca Waka Flame. And they say, episode 32 of the Eddie and Webby podcast was another great one. It was awesome getting to learn about the pickleball kid and learn about all the things he's accomplished at such a young age. Nice. Yeah. 
I totally agree. I mean, I know I mentioned it before. He's a sharp kid. Jackson, super smart, super smart kid. He's going to be going places with his life for sure. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt at all. Yeah. Well, I got to say, those were some uh, some pretty good Twitter comments there, but I'm ready to get on with the special guest. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, and I think we should do that. Cool. Well, this special guest we have with us today, not only is he a sponsored pickleball player, not only is he a pickleball instructor, but also he has recently written a children's book about pickleball. Please welcome to the show, Josh J. Pickleball. What's going on, Josh? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, man. Super excited to have you on today. Um, we have so many cool topics to be able to talk about, but obviously if we have somebody on that you know, has experience with pickleball, we always want to start with, tell us your story about how you got involved in this game we all love, pickleball. Yeah, so definitely by accident. Um, golfing was my passion. I was a collegiate golfer, played a lot uh, afterwards in school or after school. Um, and then I tried to play basketball one day and dislocated my shoulder. Unfortunately, um, my left shoulder, um, a person that I had been playing a lot of golf with, John Moyer, um, Johnny Moe, people may know of him. He reached out and said, hey, man, you only need one arm. I think you should try playing pickleball. I was very competitive. I didn't really have much of a racket sport background, but I liked getting out there and trying to beat people. Um, and then it sort of just grew from there. Um, I play significantly less golf than I used to and way too much pickleball, if you ask my girlfriend. So um, it all sort of happened one day by accident, and now I'm full-blown pickleball player. How, how long ago did you say that was? Um, about 18 months ago. Um, so a little bit over a year and a half, um, started, I guess, right around Easter of 2017 and here I am still going. Wow. That's pretty impressive what you've been able to accomplish in 18 months. Um, not only are you a, a good player, it seems like, but you're also an IPTPA, say that 10 times fast, right? IPTPA <laughs> certified pickleball instructor. Is that right? That is, yes. Yeah. So um, it actually, I did it just because I had taught some golf in the past and I thought it'd be another way to make some money, sort of get involved in the game. But it actually helped me a lot with my game. Um, they say to be understood, you must first understand. And when you can teach something, you really have to understand it. So I learned a lot about the fundamentals of the game through teaching. And so it sort of became almost of a selfish thing of like I was getting as much out of it as my students were by being able to understand different shots and ways to play points. So, um, yeah, I've had a lot of fun teaching. It's a little bit tough now. We're in winter here in Baltimore, but I'm looking forward to teaching a bit more once the weather breaks. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, being down in Naples, Florida, I get to play year-round 365 days, or outdoors year-round, right? And so I've played indoors. I can count on my hands how many times I've played indoors, right, on one hand. Um, what is your take? Is pickleball, and, I, and I'm going to ask you a black and white question, is pickleball an indoor or an outdoor sport? It's an outdoor sport. Um, if you are going to gray it, you're going to play in an indoor tennis facility on a hard court with a durable. Um, we've been fortunate recently here that we found a couple places that will allow pickleball. Um, but the pickleball tennis relationship has been 
a bit rocky at times, especially in this area. So um, fortunately, we've been able to play indoors with a proper ball on a proper surface of late. Yeah, that's cool. I, I definitely know that the times I have played indoors when I've played on like indoor tennis surface that had lines taped off for pickleball or dedicated indoor pickleball courts like um, the what is it? The Grand Rapids uh, tennis. I can't remember the name of it, but the place that we had the Beer City open indoors. Beer City, yeah. They did have dedicated um, pickleball courts and indoor tennis courts, and it definitely seemed like a very different experience playing on those versus you know, a gymnasium floor or something like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. It just, it seemed like a very different, much more of a closer experience to playing outdoors than like a gymnasium floor. So, yeah, I thought I was pretty good playing on a gymnasium floor with people like three or four times my age and with a softer onyx ball. And then I went outside and played on a hard court with a Dura with some people closer to my age that were better than me. And I uh, left with my tail between my <laughs> legs to put it modestly. Like what, what were they doing that, that kind of humbled you? Um, it wasn't as much as what they were doing. It's what I couldn't do anymore. Um, just slowing the ball down, sort of being aggressive. It just, their dinks would have a lot of undercut and I would pop a ball up and then I would eat it. So it was, um, definitely, and especially if someone were to bang it or hit it hard at me, it was ricocheting off my paddle instead of that softball, you could sort of deaden it and, and stay in control of the point. So, um, I sort of started playing indoors in a gym. That's where the higher level play was at the time. Um, so I improved fairly quickly there and then definitely took a few steps back. And I sort of think that's how it goes through pickleball. When you start playing with people of different skill sets and levels, um, you realize what you were doing doesn't work. You take a couple steps back, readjust your game to play with them and then sort of keep moving. So I think that's a big thing from a teacher. People, um, either want to get better to beat their group of three O's or three fives, right. um, or they want to get better and build on fundamental skills that'll translate to being a four O or four five down the line. So, and that's a, a conversation I like to have with my students up front and like, Hey, do you want to just beat these three or four people that you're playing with and talk trash and like <laughs> go home with bragging rights? Or do you want to sort of leave this group and start playing with higher level players? So I think that's a, a point of contention sometimes with them as far as what they want to accomplish. What, what would be your. I guess your advice to somebody that's in that situation that really does want to step up their play, you know, maybe they have their group of a dozen or so people that they play with consistently and, you know, they're kind of peaking, like what, what's going to help take them to the next level? Yeah. So first is, is finding a group that'll have you that is playing the right way and playing at that higher level. Um, and then just limiting mistakes. And, and sometimes when you are playing in that lower level, um, not just winning points easily, just smashing through them, um, but trying to play the right way and um, sort of losing that ego as far as, oh my gosh, I have to win. So I'm going to do things that I know that beat Steve who can't move to his left. So I'm going to just hit everything to left. So I say I can beat Steve when you move up, you're playing somebody a bit more mobile or playing someone a bit better um, that doesn't have those deficiencies. So I like to just emulate that you're playing somebody that actually has um, the full game. Um, buddy I play with Paul always says like I'll focus on one thing if I'm playing at sort of a lower level like getting all my thirds in or getting a deep serve in or I'm going to try to hit way more backhands than I typically would so um, just sort of adopt that mentality. Yeah that's a good uh, that's a good point so when you when you yourself play with people who are a little bit lower skill than you what are some of those things that you per you personally like to be able to work on? 
Uh, yeah, so typically uh, my backhand is, is my weakest shot, um, especially from a return to serve. And um, I have a flailing backhand um, shot if somebody leaves it up. So I'll work on sort of just trying to dink back behind them um, and, and win points without overhead smashes or powers, um, just sort of beating them with a placement or a spin shot. Um, typically something along those lines will sort of be my focus for that day or that match or however it would be. Your students that you help instruct, are they typically all beginners, more advanced? Are they all across the gamut? Like, what does that look like? I would say the majority are beginners. Um, the best for me is like a 3-5 to a 4-0, but wants to get better and wants that tournament um, experience. I think I can um, speak to that because I sort of started at that lower level and went through the ranks um, so I can sort of understand what they're going through and, and talk them through that. Um, higher level people, it's difficult. Um, they sometimes think they know a bit more than you. Um, and you really sort of have to gain their credibility and trust before you start tweaking some things because it may be a case where, Hey, they're being pretty competitive at that four Oh four five level, but you're probably going to have to do something that's going to make you a little bit worse for a little few times, um, to actually get better. Um, but they are stubborn. Um, my, myself included, I was working with, um, Ben Johns a couple weeks ago and he was trying to work on my serve um, and it's not sticking and I want to go back to my old ways. So I can relate to my, my students that'll say, I don't really know that I want to do that. Josh, this is working for me. Um, and I was like, I, you know, same thing Ben's great, but I was telling him to, to piss off. I'm going to do my own way. Um, so I know, <laughs> I know where they're coming from. That's awesome that you told, you told Ben Johns to piss off. I know well, not, not to his face. <laughs> this is my service. And not not to his face, but but now that he's hearing this, he'll probably know that I, I'm serving the wrong way again. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Though. Um, so is there like a, a common thing that you work on with the vast majority of their students? Like, is it um, you find that most people need help with their drops? um you know with their cross court dinks their backhand drives like like is there a very consistent thing that you see a, a weakness or an area for improvement in the majority of your students um the biggest thing was um from a defensive standpoint when they are hitting that return getting up to that line and they're in full control and they'll either try to go for too much or they won't be ready and they'll mess that point up um and you really need to be able to, to get that side out in that moment so just from a paddle preparedness, um, knowing where to place it, where to hit it. Um, that's typically something um, that I, I see that we really work on a lot because a lot of people that are pickleball purists from the standpoint of like they play slower and things of that nature, they'll play a tennis person and they'll get really upset and then they'll start trying to bang it with them and play that. And so I try to talk to them about like, Hey, you just got to out pickleball them. You're a better pickleball player. So just start playing pickleball. So, um, yeah, drops, returns, not making those errors, but just really making sure you hold down that, that Don Valley zone line. And then sort of, we work back from there as far as making sure that, that they can start creating points and winning points and, and hitting sort of a smarter shot. Okay. And how, how long have you been actually instructing for, and it hasn't been the whole 18 months, has it? No. So I started, um, last spring. So almost about a year now. Um, so probably taught a few hundred, 300 maybe or so people have gone through. Um, and it'll really depend if you're somebody that signed up for a six week session that I do through the calendar or someone that just wants to do a couple one-offs or you're doing a group. 
um, really how, how in depth you want to take it, but sort of making sure you're not making errors on serves and returns and then holding down that, that kitchen line, um, especially on defense are sort of the three biggest things that, that I'll work on with somebody from a beginner. Um, just because I feel like that's going to, if they're not making those silly errors, you can have a lot of fun that and somebody that gets that big high ball and they run and smash it and they're standing in the kitchen and they're excited and you look at him like, eh, that's kind of a fault. And then you lose that person pretty quickly. So, um, making sure they understand those rules, but that's pretty much where we start from and, and work from there. That's pretty cool. So it, you know, a lot of people have talked about how this sport is evolving rapidly where, you know, before it was very traditional, you know, um, do your return and, and sprint to the line or every third shot is a drop. And so a lot of these kind of, um, I don't even know what you call them status quo, conceptions about pickleball are starting to be challenged a little bit. And you're starting to see a lot of people have success with doing a third shot drive and coming up for the fifth or seventh shot drop, you know, staying back until the right time is there kind of switching it up. Have you noticed even in the 12 months that you've been instructing a, a shift in either what, what you're trying to teach or the direction that a lot of these players are saying they want to go in? Um, Great question. Not so much. Um, I think, and Mark Renison talks about it, like dinking is sort of a means to an end. You don't dink to dink. You don't hit third shots to hit third shots. You sort of play the points to win. And so a lot will depend on your strengths and your opponents. Um, but if you're really going to progress in the game, not only understanding your your strengths and your opponent's weakness are key, but you really need to have the full game. Um, so you need to be able to hit the third. You need to be able to hit the drive. You need to be able to hit the drive in the fifth. Um so it, it really is going to depend on um, sort of their skill set and making sure they have that sort of wholesome game to, to progress. So um, it was funny. We were talking um, the other day and how singles points are getting significantly longer. And that's actually drawn me into it a little bit because I don't have those great ground strokes and somebody will hit a good serve. I'll hit a crappy return and the point will be over, but now they're getting a little bit longer. You're seeing people at the highest level in singles hit third shot drops and sort of play that cat and mouse game. So um, I, I think it's still, you need to have that all around game, but you need to know your strengths, your opponent's weaknesses and, and sort of play to them as much as possible. So you, you brought up singles a little bit. Do you prefer singles or doubles play? So I prefer doubles play. Um, I really only started playing singles a few months ago. Um, and the people that I play singles with are infinitely better than me. So it hasn't been that much fun getting whooped up on all the time. Um, but now that I'm sort of getting down uh, some, some better ground strokes and I can hit the thirds and the points are a little bit longer, um, I, I really do enjoy that. Um, I really got into singles mainly because I have a few people that I'll practice with in this area. Um, we don't normally get full games of, of high level players. So we'll just have two people and we'll drill a lot and then we'll just play some singles. Um, so that's sort of how we got into it. It's good from cardiovascular and you, you see like tennis pros when they're playing tournaments like Indian Wells, you'll see a lot of tennis pros play doubles as well. So it's not like it's making my doubles game worse, but I do prefer that, the doubles game, having that partner sort of the, getting the good full court banter with all four people and the cat and mouse sort of aspects of it. That's cool. Um, you, you brought up tennis a couple of times. Are you, are you a fan of tennis? Big fan. Um, Rafael Nadal, diehard fan. So Australian Open was a brutal 3.30 a.m. wake up call for him to get whooped by Novak, but just sort of love 
his problem solving. I love his intensity goes for, for everything. And just, I, I like the sport. Um, so I, I grew up as a golfer and it was sort of a country club sport like golf, but I really never got into it from a playing standpoint. Um, I watched it, but now that I've played a little bit more pickable, I probably wouldn't mind picking up a racket, but just, I, I really enjoy that mano y mano, the problem solving out there in tennis. I think it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I was never really into tennis much growing up, you know, we would go to the local courts and play every once in a while. But now that I've gotten into pickleball, um, I actually have much more of a respect for the game of tennis that I really didn't have before. Um, do you find that, that some of your students even are the more you're talking with them about pickleball, that they're starting to, you know, they're starting to, to enjoy watching tennis or appreciating it a little bit more. Um, so I, I direct them to watching tennis a lot and pickleball just from like a ground stroke being prepared split step there's a lot of footwork a lot of things that um can translate to the tennis game especially things that i lack in from like a footwork and a ground stroke standpoint so i try to like hey soak this up if you're not gonna get on youtube and watch some of the best players play another way you can sort of get some some knowledge and sort of how tennis and pickleball are played is just turn it on tv and until pickleball is on tv throw the tennis channel on and watch some of the, the best athletes in the world play tennis. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I definitely, uh, I definitely watch some of these tennis players now and I'm like, Oh, I, I understand why they're doing that. Where before I had, I had no idea. So yeah. yeah. Um, Webby, what's going on on, on the socials? Um, so we actually had a question from Adam Deem and Josh kind of already went over this, but I figured I'd, I would say it anyway, just to give Adam a little shout out here. He said, speaking of singles, anything we can do to get more people playing? Because uh, he prefers singles, uh, but it's hard to find a play. So I, I think you'll have good success getting a tennis purist to start playing singles first. So maybe try to get it up in your local tennis club or go there for somebody. Um, it's a little bit easier of a transition. It's more traditional baseline or serve and volley things that go a lot better than someone just standing stagnant at the net dinking. Um, I think that that may be your best path forward. Um, but it, if he finds anything different, I, I'd like him to share that. I think that's a, a great question. And I think um, that can sort of be a gateway into getting some more people into doubles and growing the sport. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, got a couple more people to call out here on uh, Facebook. Uh, we got Edward Dine watching and he replied or he left a comment saying, oh, yeah. So <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> um, we got Patty B here. Um, she says, what drills do you do with beginners to improve their backhand? Because hers is terrible. Uh, she's saying that about herself. I'm not saying that uh, she she was saying that hers is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there's the backhand dink and a backhand ground stroke. Um, backhand dink is just from sort of a repetition. Get somebody on the opposite side of the court, um, a dink cross court, uh, making sure that, that you're getting ready. And, and a lot of people, um, the backhand will sort of make a stabbing or a punching or a cutting motion. Try to maintain that same fluidity you have in the forehand dink, um, sort of that low to high motion. Maintain that on a backhand. Um way too many people have a hit in their backhand as opposed to a stroke where the ball gets in the way. I would try to have her work on that. And just from a repetition standpoint, um, also maybe good just to have a, a regular feeder. Um, 
things that we typically see from a lower level play is that when they have two people that are trying to work on a shot, somebody will hit a dink and the next one will go out and then they'll hit one short. And so you aren't really able to get that repetition standpoint um, because the, the ball is not being fed properly. So either get someone to feed them the ball and just have one person go at a time, or if you're at a little bit higher of a level where you can keep a dink rally going, um, play that. And just, I try to make it fun, try to make a game out of it, make sure you keep it in the kitchen or uh, something along those lines will, will make it fun for you. Nice. Great advice. Uh, we got another comment here from Jason Bennett. He says, Eddie and Webby, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Thanks no, for the comment. No love for me. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Now apparently he yeah, apparently he doesn't like Josh yeah, very much, but he does love that? us. So. <laughs> I'm we fine can with end this. No, there if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I think he just needs to get to know you a little better. I think that's all. The, he I doesn't like to so, throw around too. the L word like that. Um, but he, Jason also says, Why do you guys dress like superheroes? Are you trying to blend in? <laughs> I'm assuming he means because because of the sunglasses. Yeah, um, honestly, for, why, for not, me, why the, not wear? <laughs> for me, the sunglasses is because I'm looking at three different monitors, and I find that it's distracting if people see my eyes moving all the time. So that's why. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I hate like when my eyes are just kind of like looking back and forth. I feel like I should be looking at the camera nonstop, right. but I'm like looking down sometimes. So it just kind of gets rid of some of our own anxieties that we have while doing a live podcast here. So just right. cool it, Jason. Yeah. Um, we got it. Uh, Adam uh, replied to what you had said earlier. He says, I have good luck with other racquetball players wanting singles too. Um, yeah. I might have read that squash, wrong. Anybody that has a, a racket sport background um, that's used to sort of the more of the ground stroke and hitting hard, it's that sort of the slow game that, that you, you lose a lot of singles players or the, the tennis purists right off the bat. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we have one more comment here from Adam. He said, obviously, to be aggressive from the backcourt, you need a good amount of topspin on the ball. Once in a while, it seems my topspin just doesn't catch and my ball goes flying deep. Is there a specific mechanical issue that can cause something like that? So I would say most of the time it's that they're lifting up and their chest is coming up and they're not sort of staying down and through the shot. Um, I have that problem um, a good bit, and so, and that's actually advice that Ben gave me last time we were working out. Is just sort of making sure you're staying down and through that shot because when you lift up, you have a tendency to um, spray it a little bit and hit it wide or long. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense, right? Because you definitely you want to make sure that you have that upward motion going on, but that you're also not, you know, completely pushing your paddle up to where the ball goes flying so yeah, yeah that's interesting um so we've talked a lot about pickleball and kind of your experience with that but we want to get to know josh on a little bit deeper of a level here so Ooh, oh wow yeah outside of uh pickleball what do you do for for work or anything else that you know you like to do yep so i work for shapiro negotiations institute um, we're a negotiation training firm. Um, we also do sales and influencing training. Um, pretty cool. Um, we were founded by a guy named Ron Shapiro, who was a Harvard attorney and actually became a sports agent. So here locally in Baltimore, like, 
Um, Brooks Robinson, Cal Ripken, Eddie Murray, some of the, the larger names um, in sports. He actually has more of the Major League Hall of Famers than any other agent. And um, it's very cutthroat business, the agent business, like Scott Boris. And you, you hear the, some of those names. But um, Ron got a reputation of being a pretty nice guy. Um, so he actually took what he had learned and put it into a few books and then started working with the corporate world about 20 some years ago. So I'm the director of business development for them. So shameless plug, if you have a sales team or procurement team and you uh, want some negotiation training, give me a shout. That's pretty awesome, man. Like I, the, all the psychology that goes into sales and negotiate negotiations has always been kind of fascinating to me. Do you find that your experience with the company helps you outside of work and maybe even on the pickleball court at all? Um, yeah, so you're never going to win a line call against me. I'm pretty much always going to, always going to, everything's going to be out on, on, on my side and in on your side. Um, no, it, it's funny because negotiation influence, I mean, we teach it for sort of the, the boardroom or for the office, but I mean, it carries a ton of weight, whether I'm with my girlfriend at the kitchen table, we have people that, that we work with that'll say, Hey, you know, I was working with talking with my son about doing their homework and I was able to use some of the tactics or tools that we had learned um, and, and got them to do their homework or eat their dinner. And there's like just little things like that. There is a lot of psychology. Um, we do a lot of personality tests, disc assessment, things of that nature um, to understand your baselines and then how people sort of, um, react. It, it, I'll talk through our influencing model real quick, just because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, first thing you got to do is you got to build credibility. Um, so if you either borrow that from somebody or you need to have some sort of expertise um, on the topic. And then the second is you're going to engage emotions. Um, so people act or buy emotionally and then justify it rationally. And so that's sort of a big thing that people miss. They're always talking about like, oh, you need this paddle because it's 7.6 ounces or it hits the ball harder. And so if you can sort of tell that story of like, if you get this paddle, you're going to beat your nemesis or you're going to be able to keep that ball down against this person. They're going to be like, oh my God, I need this paddle um, for those reasons, as opposed to the spec sheet. And the biggest example I can give of that is that um, you look at Super Bowl commercials, like the Best Buds commercial with the lab, baby lab. And speaking of which, there's my lab right there. Um, baby lab and the <laughs> nice. horses. It's like... It's a 60 second commercial in the Super Bowl that's probably $7 million to run. And they don't talk about Budweiser, beer, the taste of the beer, the price of it, the ingredients, or anything. They're just talking about that emotion of like, oh, when you're going to go to the liquor store or you're going to order, tell the uh, bartender, hey, give me two of these. You want that emotion or that feeling of when you um, were watching that commercial. So it's just, it, it's all pretty fascinating. So, um, I like I like what I do. I like being able to help people, um, and there's pretty cool success stories that have come from it. That's awesome. That, like I said, that stuff fascinates me. I love to, you know, learn more about the psychology of sales, and um, you know, even like sports psychology. Like I think it's fascinating what you know what you can do with your mind when it comes to athletics, and how I feel like as as a society we don't give nearly as much attention to that part of our game as we do the physical part, right? Like, obviously you need to know how to hit the ball and, you know, in your repetitive, um, exercises and things like that. But you can also show up to a tournament and play at 60% of your performance if your mind isn't in the right place. So what do, do you find that at all with, you know, with, with the way that you instruct that you work on the mind aspect of it, the mental aspect of it? Yeah. So Big, big on positivity. Um, you look at Kevin Anderson. He was sort of a borderline top 10 tennis player for the last like three or four years. 
um, after every shot, he's fist pumping, he's pumping himself up, always sort of talking positively. And now he's been in two uh, major finals and is a top six, seven player in the world. And so um, pickleball, it, the essence is very basic, like hit it over the net, underhand strokes. You should think it would be pretty easy. And a lot of people beat themselves up um, on the standpoint of not doing well and things of that nature. So really just sort of positivity, encouragement. Um, I think that's been pretty big as far as in my coaching and sort of just my style on the court. Um, I get into it with a lot of my playing partners um, because they will get upset or they won't be communicative. And I was like, hey, this is what I need. If we're going to win this, I need to say, and you don't want me to hit that shot, be like, hey, I want you to hit this shot. That shot's not working instead of, why the hell do you keep turning it up on your backhand? Your backhand sucks. So I, I think not only in coaching, but just playing and finding the right partner and someone that's positive, um, that, that's been difficult for me to, to go through um, with some people that I play with that have a little bit of a hot temper, you can say. Yeah, I've definitely seen that in some tournaments where when the other team is agitated, I almost find myself wanting to to prey on that and just keep pissing them off even more, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, if you're positive, you're confident, you're not getting discouraged, um, not only is it building you up, but it can have an impact on your opponent. And I, I think that's something that um, you need to you need to at least be aware of. If you're not going to prey on it, like you said, at least be aware of it. Yeah, it's interesting too. And I, I also find myself that when I'm in rec play or tournament play, um, I try to get myself to a mental state of where I'm happy for everyone involved. Of course, I want to be able to win, but if the other team gets a good shot on me, I'm right there applauding them. But I think I might do it too often or too much. Do you have any advice or any tips when it comes to, to that aspect of it? Yeah, so rec play, I'm, I'm pretty positive. Hey, good shot, good job. Um, if I'm in a, excuse me, if I'm in a tournament playing against people that I'm friends with or know with, I'll, I'll give them props when they hit a good shot or do something well. Um, if I'm playing in rec play with somebody that I'm going to be playing later in a tournament and may not do that as often, um, in a tournament with somebody that I'm not as friendly with may not do that as often. Um, it's funny. You watch Scott Moore. He is ruthless out there. He never says one good shot, never says everyone says he's a great guy. I, I don't really personally know him, but everyone says he's a really nice guy, but out there he means full business. Um, and I totally can respect that. So, um, if you're not saying good shot, then I, I think that's fine. But that's sort of also a little bit more of a, an old school mentality these days, like people are a lot more friendly and good shot that, than you typically see. So I think somebody that's coming through the ranks that is sort of that silent assassin and, and isn't given those props. I think that may catch someone in, in my generation a bit off guard and like, Oh, why didn't he say good shot to me? Was that not a good shot or what's he <laughs> thinking? And then, then he's got you. So, um, I, like I said, you want to grow the game. You want to be nice. You want to be encouraging. I can't fault you for being happy and for everyone and make sure they're having a good, good time. But, um, if you're going to be a little bit ruthless out there and, and just stick to your own game plan and, and keep your comments to yourself, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and you may see some benefits to it. Okay. I think I'm going to, going to try that out for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, if you lose friends, it's fine. Who really cares? Yeah. Right. I don't care. Webby's my friend. That's all that matters. So all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking oh, of best friends, yeah. uh, you, your best friend is sitting next to you, on, ne sitting next to you on the couch right there, huh? That's right. This is my uh, this is crew. Um, 
there were only a few people that um, got shout outs or inclusions in the book and he was one of them. So um, he's my three-year-old yellow lab. That's awesome, man. Dogs are the best, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, so uh, my friend Paul Olin will be upset that he didn't get included in the best friend conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to give him a shout out. He's a bit um, sensitive when it comes to that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Do you let him climb all over your couch too when he comes over as well or just crew? Uh, yeah, they, they fight for, for, for spots on the sofa. So um, <laughs> I, I don't get involved in it. That's awesome. Um, well, I have one more pickleball question that I want to ask you before we move on to talking about the book here. Um, I feel like we could talk yep. all day. I, th I think this has been an awesome conversation so far. Um, but you actually brought this up to me and how a lot of times in golf, people ask, what would be your dream foursome? And so I wanted to kind of ask you on the pickleball court, what, who would be included in your dream foursome? Yeah, you asked that in an appropriate way. I know yes. the foursome conversation could have gotten a bit off the rails. Um, so two answers <laughs> to that. Um, if it's just a rec game and it's like a weekend afternoon and it's just my buddies, it would be Eric White, Paul Olin, and a guy that, that introduced me to the game, Johnny Moe, John Moyer. Um, we're all fairly at the same skill level. They'll probably give me crap about that because they're probably a little better than me. Um, but it, it'll be competitive and there's a lot of banter. Uh, that was the toughest thing about when I became a USAPA ambassador is like making sure that I was encouraging and positive. Um, cause when the four of us get on the court, we like to do some ribbon and have some fun. So just playing a fun rec game, that would be it. If it was in a tournament, um, it would be me and Simone um, versus Ben and Christine. Simone's great. And I just think that there'd be a good opportunity. I'd probably get a lot, a lot of balls in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that way she could get a break and I, I could get some work and, um, developed a good friendship with, with Ben and Christine. So it'd be fun to just whoop up on them a time or two. Well, that's awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah. I think, I think that would be a lot of fun. And, um, I don't know your play very well, but I'm assuming that anybody with Simone is going to get a lot of balls hit to them. Yeah, but especially me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. Um, well, I've been dying to get to this next topic here, uh, and that yeah. is the book that you uh, that you created, right? Pickleball with Pop, which I have here. Um, love this book, man. Uh, I I, I got to tell you, I'm I'm really impressed with it. But where did you even come up with the idea for this book? Yeah, so this is a little bit of story time, so I'll do some talking for a few minutes. Um, started with I always wanted to write a children's book for some reason, uh, mainly because like I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, and not that I was a big reader, but I had a lot of picture books that were my friends, so I always liked the idea of like books and what they could provide to, to kids and things of that nature. Um, but we'll start, when I first started dating my girlfriend at the current time, Molly, we were like on our third or fourth date and this like 50 year old guy, Teddy came up and like gave me a big bear hug at a bar at the time. She's like a 23 year old innocent girl. And she's just like, why is this old man like hanging on you? Like, why do you have old friends? And like, that's just sort of how golf was that. Like I played with older guys on the weekends and that was sort of how it all happened. Um, fast forward like a year and a half later, I'm playing pickleball and I have her come watch me play pickleball 
And these people made Teddy look extremely young. And so we're on the way home. And I was like, you thought I had it bad when I was playing with 50 year old golfers. Now I'm playing with 60 and seven year old pickleball players. Like this is what happened. So <laughs> she would joke about that. Um, and then I, I started telling people I was playing golf or playing pickleball. And anytime that they would um, Google it or YouTube it or find it, it would always be the typical demographic of people <laughs> that are in retirement communities playing and I sort of got fed up with the conversation um, and like I got a lot of ribbing for it, still do. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to sort of change the messaging. And so I was like, I'm going to write a children's book. And so I put like 20, 25 lines down, gave it to some school teachers, some friends. And the reaction wasn't really overwhelmingly positive, but it wasn't bad enough for me to like crumple it up and throw it away. So I just sort of got enough encouragement that I sort of kept at it. And I realized that, hey, if you're really going to grow the game, you need to make something good. You need to get to the kids that are impressionable at that sort of elementary school age and that they can potentially start playing the sport because it is a sport that you can play with literally anybody, 10 to, 10 to 80. So um, I was like, let's get it involved and get a hook in them at a young age. And what better way to do it than maybe a relationship with a grandparent that they could potentially have. And so. Um, it's all sort of came to shape a little bit over a year later. And now we got a book. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a, yeah, it's a, a very cool book, a great idea. And as, as everybody knows that tunes into our show regularly, we are huge advocates for trying to get more of the youth involved in pickleball. And I can't think of a better way of getting the youth involved than uh, to have a, a kid's book about pickleball. I mean, it's perfect. It's awesome. And I love the fact that you went ahead and did it. Uh, one thing I got to ask, though, are any of the characters in the book based on real life people? Yeah, I get that a lot. So I have a crew that is named after my dog, obviously. Um, Pop in the book, he um, I unfortunately didn't have any grandfathers, didn't know any of them. So um, but I did have a, a pretty awesome grandmother named Ma'am. So Pop and Ma'am are there. And then um, Emma, um, the, no connection to Emma except for in the book she wants to be a dentist and my girlfriend is in dental school the rest of it is just randomly made up um, I know people think that Ben was included um, because there is a Ben but it's just a short easy name um, and at the time I didn't know Ben but now if people want to think it's because of Ben he's a great advocate for the sport so I'll let them think that that's fine <laughs> nice that's cool um, one of the things that I was immediately impressed with when I saw the book were the testimonials that you have on the back. Um, I mean, I'll just, I'll read you the names. Jack Thomas, USAPA president. Simone Jardim needs no introduction. The Elliott family, Robert, Jody, Joshua, and Rachel, and Ben Johns. And as soon as I saw that, you know, I, I knew the book was great, but then I was like, whoa, this is serious business here. How did you go about, you know, getting those testimonials from them? Yeah, so I knew that that would be um, pretty important. So I put a lot of emphasis on that. Um, first, I wanted it to be like of good quality, well-written, good illustrations. My illustrator, Kareen, she was amazing. Um, so I, when I knew I had a pretty good product, I knew I needed to get some credibility um, from some of these experts. Um, Jack made the most sense right off the bat from the standpoint of not only does he fit the demographic, but USAPA president, um, if he's going to write something on your book, people are going to assume that it is of quality, um, that it's giving it off a, a pretty positive message. 
Um, and then Ben was the next person that I had reached out to um, from the standpoint of Ben is typically the youngest person in any tournament he plays in. Um, and if you're going to be interested in it, you sort of need someone to look up to. I started playing golf because of Tiger Woods. I'm not saying Ben is Tiger Woods, but it gives someone that they can look up to like, oh, I want to play like him or I want to do something like him. So it was natural for, for me to try to reach out to Ben. Um, once I got them two on board, it was much easier to say, hey, I've also got these people, Ben and Jack, have written a testimonial, Simone. Um, I met her. She did an expo at the City Open Tennis Tournament here in D.C., also took a clinic with her um, and showed her on an iPad, hey, this is what the book's going to be like. Ben's going to do it. Jack's going to do it. Can you jump on board? She's like, I have kids. I was like, I know. That's why I'm asking you. Um, and she was like, yeah, this would be great. Like, I'd, I'd love to hop on. Um, so, so she gave me some feedback, and they all gave me feedback throughout the process. And once I got her involved, I mean, not only does she have international background, but also awesome champion, just great person. And then – it was funny. Um, I was needing to fill one last spot and Ben's um, testimonial was like exemplify the family spirit of pickleball. Um, I play engage paddles, work with engage and then the Elliott family, Robert, Jody, Josh and, and Rachel. I mean, they are a pickleball family. And I was like, what better way to get another endorsement than by an actual family that has devoted their whole life to pickleball. Um, so I put a lot of thought into who got, got chosen. Um, and I'm gracious that, that they all agreed. And it, it turned out wonderful from the standpoint of giving me that sort of instant credibility, but also drawing on all their backgrounds and experiences to, to make the book what it is. Man, that is so cool. So cool. That's very awesome. Um, Patty B actually left a message on Facebook. She said, just ordered the book. The grandkids are coming later this week, and the oldest one loves pickleball. Can't wait to share it with them. So that's pretty cool. Thanks for the comment, Patty. Awesome. Love it. Nice. Um, so what has the feedback been from the pickleball community outside of the the people you got testimonials from? Like, what What have you heard about the book? Yeah, so it's been really positive. Um, pickleball community is funny. We were chatting a little bit earlier. There's some people on the forum and, and things that would be fit the description more so of a troll, but there's far more nicer people out there that, that want to help. Um, so like reached out to Aspen right away from the forum. He was like, hey, the book's great. Let me know what you need. I'll help you promote it. Reached out to Brandon Swanson of Paddle Geek and Pickleball Underground. He was like, I'll read it to my kids. What else do you need? Andrew Evans, Pickleball Librarian. He was supporting it. People from my local community, they're like, hey, what do you need? You want to advertise it at this tournament? Um, Jared Chirico is going to have it at Baltimore Country Club here soon. So um, not only friends, but also some big names in the community have, have also said, hey, this is great. I love the message. Love what you're trying to do. Let me know how we can uh, help support it. So um, it's good. And it's really tough to to, to crap on a, a children's pickleball book. You have to be some sort of troll to do that. So luckily those, <laughs> gotta be a those, those people, those people have stayed underneath their rocks and um, all the feedback has been great. We're doing a lot of intergenerational programs where we're having um, groups from, from senior centers that are working with, with younger kids. And so um, it, it's awesome from, from that standpoint. Um, the, the middle-aged person probably is the one that misses out on it the most right now. But um, I, I think as they start playing it and their kids start playing it, uh, hopefully it all sort of works out like planned and, and pickleball continues to grow. That was sort of the, the overall goal in the whole book. 
Very nice. And it's actually uh, pretty popular with animals, too. Uh, Jack the Cat just joined us, and he's uh, pretty excited about it. Normally, he waits until the beer review to show up, but I think he heard us talking about the book, and he couldn't resist show it up for it. So it's got uh, even animals like it. So you can put that on uh, yeah. your advertising. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, one thing I noticed on Facebook recently, um, the Pickleball Librarian gave a, a pretty rave review. And uh, he was talking about the book, and uh, and that was very cool to see. Uh, have you seen that that review that's out there? Yeah, so um, I reached out to him several months ago, and just uh, he's a huge advocate for this board, and I was like, hey, would you mind if I send you a book? Would you mind putting a review together or something? Like I was expecting like a thirty second blurb, and he goes, yeah. And so I pinged him, and he was uh, like a month later. I go, hey man, like where the heck's this review? It's sort of taking you a long time. And he goes, I'm working on something special. Just wait, it'll be worth it. And when he put together that lesson plan um, associated with it. And so, and plus he left like, I think a five minute review. Um, uh, that, that was great. So like I said, like the, the people at the top of our, our sport from an influencing standpoint are there for a reason. They're, they're great people and, and they really do what they can to promote the sport. And so um, him doing that lesson plan and just really getting in depth into the book and um, the message of inclusion and playing with anybody age, rent, gender, race, anything of that nature. Um, he, he sort of hit it all spot on. So I was very fortunate of that. Yeah. I thought it was, nice. a great yeah, it was a, it was a great review. And, uh, when, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this is perfect. We can talk about this on the podcast. Cause this, that was the, I would love to, if I wrote a book and got a review like that, I would be pretty, pretty happy about it. I was ecstatic. It's funny. So when people write reviews and Brandon Swanson read it to his kids, I the, initially when I hear it or read it, I, like I, I'm always anxious. I make my girlfriend listen to it or read it first. And like, is it good? Is it bad? She goes, people aren't going to make fun of your children's book, Josh. It's fine. Just listen to it. So um, I'm a bit, I'm a bit sensitive at times. So she's my, she's my buffer. And so I think she'll probably just delete it if somebody does um, say some negative things. That's for sure. I mean, it's, you know, you, you put your heart and soul into this thing too. So, um, you know, it's, this, this is like, uh, you know, it's your baby. And so I'm sure that anytime anybody gives you feedback, it's very emotionally connected to you because you gave birth to this thing, you know, this is, this has been your baby. So I'm sure. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be a small little thing that, uh, if I did get bad feedback, I can distance myself for it from it. But then like, six months into the process, I was spending way more time on it than I thought and way more money and resources and reading about the legality of books and like who to market it to and what paper quality do I need to use and who's a good illustrator or editor. And I, well, now I'm like so fragile. It's like, please just say nice things about it. I put so much into it. <laughs> right. Oh, funny. So where can, uh, where can people find the book? Where, uh, what yeah. would you recommend? Um, great question. Go? Yeah. So got it several four mediums right now. Um, it is on Amazon and um, we have a Kindle version as well as a hardback version. Um, it is on my website, joshjpickleball.com backslash book. It is also on esportpickleball.com um, as well as pickleball central is now carrying it. Um, that was great. We worked with them hand in hand for the last couple months for them to get it up. And then it'll also be on usapa.com, their store here shortly. Um, and if anybody's listening to this and they want to get a copy, just either reach out, go one of their places, or if they're a retailer and they want to sell it, just let me know. And I'll be happy to work with them to, to get it. Um, I think it's been 
Um, pretty cool. And from a standpoint of like, it doesn't take up any shelf space. It's easy to ship and transfer. So, um, people have been way more receptive to saying, Hey, we'll put this on our online store or carry it in store. Um, I know engage just, um, at their pro shop in Oxford, they just started carrying it too. So it's, it's great that we're getting in, in a lot of places. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. So everybody go out there, get yourself a copy of the book. I love it. I think it's amazing. I like the colors. I actually usually keep it up on that shelf right behind me there and, and put it on display, but I took it down so I can, uh, I can look at it today, but great book. Um, now as far as you and your own pickleball journey, or maybe somebody that wants to get instructions from you, how do they follow you or reach out to you for that? Yeah, so a lot on social media or on the website, um, Josh J. Pickleball on Facebook. I have a page where I am known as Josh J. Pickleball and then a separate page. There's a Pickleball Pop with Pop um, page on Facebook, um, Josh J. Pickleball on Instagram, or just www.joshjpickleball.com or email me josh at joshjpickleball.com. Um, and please just wait for the weather to pass a little bit so we can get outside and actually get some playing in. That's awesome, man. We'll throw links to uh, to all those down below here after the live stream is over. So if anybody watching after the fact, you'll know exactly where to go. Um, Josh, this has been awesome, man. Can't thank you enough for uh, for spending your Sunday afternoon with us. Uh, great pickleball instruction. It's just been great getting to know you uh, and great talking about the success you're having with Pickleball with Pop. So thank you very much for that. No, thank you guys for having me. It's awesome. It's fun getting to know you guys too. I, I love the banter. I, I think you guys bring a real version to sort of podcasts and pickleball. You guys are relatable. Um, love following you along in Naples. Webby, how did those uh, how those tights work out for you? I saw you went with the uh, the three quarter leggings. Are they helping you out down there? Actually, I do. I, I dig I dig the leggings. Um, and actually, what I've been rocking lately are some. Uh, long knee compression wrap thing. So they're, they don't just wrap the knee. They go down to the calf. They also come cover part of my thigh. And that that's what I've been liking the most lately. Uh, but I dig them. Yeah, I, I, I personally like them and I will continue wearing them. Yeah, you just need to accessorize out there. Look the part. Uh, that'll give you at least a, a, a <laughs> right? half a half a shot ranking in your in your boost boost in your ranking. So yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for having I, me. And uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I also tried the arm sleeves, um, but I ended up returning them just because they, they, they weren't, they weren't quite my thing. They were kind of bothering me. They actually irritated my, uh, I think my biceps just might be too manly and, and bulging <laughs> because I was getting some bruising around there. So I don't know. It's just, maybe I just need to find a, a smaller, or a, a larger size or something. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure they're anybody's thing. Um, but no, I, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that the tights worked out for you and, <laughs> accessorize man it's it's the way to 5 L. for That's sure awesome. for sure but yeah we we definitely cannot thank you enough for being here that was awesome uh getting to learn more about you learn more about the book and the history of the book uh yeah just thank you very much for being here with us yeah no again it was a pleasure if you guys ever need anything um i'll probably be in naples a few times so eddie i'll say hey to you i don't know if detroit is on the bucket list um so Webby, if you're down in this area, you hit me up and, and we can we can hang out and, and get together. But I feel like I already know you guys. This has been great. Awesome. We'll do it, man. Thanks again, Josh. Take care, buddy. Take care, guys. All right.
Wow. Nice, man. Another, another awesome interview. I feel like the, the hits just keep on coming with our, with the guests that we've had, man. The hits just keep on coming. I totally agree, man. Great guy. Uh, I mean, I love it. You got tips, you got tricks, you got interesting conversation and got to learn about creating a book. But I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, what, what other podcasts are you going to get all that in the first hour of it? Right, Exactly. And we still got so much more to come. We've got a beer <laughs> review and a lot more pickleball discussions. I mean, come on. You're not going to yes. find this anywhere else, folks. <laughs> Nowhere else. Um, but I am getting a little thirsty. And I know that we're going to lose a lot of our pickleball viewers as soon as we crack this beer. It's like immediately everybody <laughs> drops off. Guys, stick around. We're going to be talking a lot about pickleball after our beer review. And for you beer nerds, we're going to go a little bit geeky into it, but not too crazy. So... Just stick around, guys. We got a lot of a lot more great content coming to you. Uh, speaking yeah, of that, we've got we've got like updates. We got updates galore. I mean, if anybody wondered how things went with us down in Naples, that's coming up. We got a lot to talk about the Eddie versus Webby match. We can go mm -hmm. behind the scenes on that. I mean, we got a lot more to come that you're not going to want to miss. So stick around. So many. Um, well, what beer are we going to be reviewing today, Webby? Oh, man, I'm real excited about this one. Uh, and I just so happen to have it right here with me. And this is from Bell's Brewery. And today's beer is going to be Hop Slam. Oh, yeah. Yes. Love me some Hop Slam. I get very excited when I see it uh, out on the shelves. Um, this is from Bell's Brewery. So we're not going to do a before report today because we've talked about Bell's a few times. We've had actually quite a few of their beers on here. They're, they're great beers, don't get me wrong, but another main reason is because we can get them in both Florida and Michigan, um, so we know yes. that we can, uh, you know, we can both have them. So, As we pour, I'm going to read the description according to Bell's website. Starting with six different hop varietals added to the brew kettle and culminating with a massive dry hop addition of Simcoe hops, Bell's Hop Slam Ale possesses the most complex hopping schedule in the Bell's repertoire. Selected specifically because of their arom aromatic qualities, these Pacific Northwest varieties contribute a pungent blend of grapefruit, stone fruit, and floral notes. A generous malt bill and solid dollop of honey provide just enough body to keep the balance in check, resulting in a remarkably drinkable rendition of the double India Pale Ale style. Another Great description from Bells. Oh, yes. And I've got to admit, I'm usually super, super excited about this beer, um, but I was a little disappointed last year. I don't know about you. I don't know if you had it last year, but I felt like, I don't know, I just felt like it was lacking something. So hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping I don't feel the same way this year. Well, we did have it on draft last week for the first time, um, but... You know, being in a can, being shipped to different air, shipped to different areas, maybe it's going to be a little different. So, uh, this beer is 10% ABV, which means it's on the stronger end, but right in alignment with the double IPA style. The IBUs are undisclosed. However, uh, this is definitely going to be a hop-forward beer, considering the style. This is available available seasonally in the winter, and I say we jump into the review. Let's do it. The appearance is very nice. Let me pull up my sunglasses here for a second. It's got a little <laughs> coppery color to it, but, you know, golden straw, copper, uh, nice white head. 
that it's retaining very well. It seems uh seems like a very pretty beer. It's fair pretty clear. It's not like lager clear, but it's a pretty clear beer. Yeah, it's on the clear side. Very, very nice looking. Yes. We'll jump into the aroma here, give it some sniffies. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I'm immediately presented with hops, you know, the Pacific Northwest hop styles. Um, what's weird to me is that a lot of times when you get Simcoe in a beer, it can actually smell like cat piss a little bit. And I'm not getting <laughs> any of that here at all. I, I usually am very sensitive to it, but I'm not getting any of that at all. You're definitely getting a lot of the, you know, the the hop floral aromas. Um, but that malt is very present as well. It's not just it's not like a hop tea. There's definitely a lot of malt in the aroma as well. Yeah, I would say uh the term that comes to mind is like refreshingly hoppy, if that mm. makes sense. Like it's it smells refreshing. It smells hoppy, but not like too overly so. Um, I don't smell any cat piss. So that's usually a good thing in my mind. That's a good thing, yes. Yeah, very nice aroma, very pleasant. All right, now we jump into the flavor. Give it some sips. Ah, yes. All right, all right. Mm. Very, very nice. Uh, before we talk about the flavor, it looks like there is some uh, activity going on in Facebook here real quick. Some comments from Adam Deem. I know Adam's a big beer guy. He said, Hop Slam from three years ago was amazing. It's been failing since. Uh, this year, it's still very smooth and is sweet, but underwhelming for what its reputation commands. I think the extra malt is from being four to five weeks old. The aromas are, are going to have gone, yep, and uh, three to four plus. Um, not sure what that means, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I've heard that this is a beer that you want to drink very fresh because a lot of the hop aromas uh, are going to come out where even after being in the can for a few weeks and probably sitting at warmer temps, the hop aromas will a lot of times fall out of solution, and so that's... That's that might be why they're not so present in this at all. Um, now, I also did, did I read on there, Webby, that they they use honey in this brew as well. Yes, they you did mention honey. Hmm. So a lot of times with honey in a beer, you know, a lot of people think I'm going to get like a honey sweetness to it, but honey ferments out very well. So you typically don't get many honey flavors when you brew with honey, but it does add a lot to the body. And I'm definitely getting this here. Um, I wouldn't say this is like a very, very full body double IPA, but it's definitely on the fuller body end of the scale to me. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and in, in regards to what you said with the honey, the first time I had this, I think was four years ago and I was blown away at how good it was for how strong it was. It was pretty smooth for a, for a double IPA. And I feel like I, I feel like I did used to be able to taste a bit of the honey. Like I feel like I had like a real smooth little bit of a sweet finish to it and like adam said i i have not really had that the last couple years with this and uh 
I will say I I do think I like it more than last year's. Last year's I just I was not a fan of the batch last year. This year I feel like it's a little smoother, um, and I I am enjoying it. But I gotta say I I feel like it's still not as good as it was a few years ago. Like I, I am not really tasting any any bit of honey. Yeah. Interesting. Overall impressions. I still think this is a great beer. I think for a double IPA, it's very drinkable. Um, you know, it's cool that they release it seasonally. So people get excited about it and want to be able to have conversations and reviews like we're doing. Uh, this is not going to last long if it's in my fridge, meaning this is a beer that will probably be picked before a lot of others, especially during some of those kind of cold Florida days or afternoons that we get. I'll definitely be reaching for this one. So what are your oh, overall yeah. comments? And, yeah, I, I'm I am thoroughly enjoying it, even though I said like it's not as good as it was a few years ago. I still like it a lot. It's uh it's still a great tasting beer. Um, but to be honest, for how much it costs to get, uh there's there's a lot more out there that I would rather spend my money on. So I'm I still plan on getting at least a case or two every year when it comes out, and I, and I'm always excited when it comes out to see what it's gonna taste like. Uh but for the price and for how hard it can be to find sometimes, I just it's uh, th- there are better things out there, and uh, it doesn't excite me like it used to. So would would overrated be a good description for what you're trying to I, say? I would agree that it's overrated, and I, I it's I feel like the last couple of years it's been easier to find than it used to be. So I don't know if they're making more of it and maybe not making it quite as high quality as it used to be, or maybe people just aren't buying into the hype anymore and aren't buying it as much. So it's easier to find could be either one of those things, but I don't know. I mean, I know it's hard to remember exactly how something tasted three years ago, but I, I was blown away when I had it a few years ago and the last couple of years, I've been a little on the disappointed side. Not going to lie. They peaked too soon. It sounded like, um, Adam Deem had a comment here, Facebook. It's still a solid beer. It's great when not compared to its own reputation. It just comes with a lot of its own hype. So yeah, I guess, I guess that you know, being it hyped up too much could be a negative thing here. It sounds like. Yeah, and honestly, like if it if it was in the same price range as like a Hop Slam or even just a little more expensive than something like Hop Slam, I would absolutely buy it regularly. But to be honest, uh, if uh, if I had the choice of a twenty five dollar six pack of Hop Slam and a $10 six-pack of Two-Hearted, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I'm going with the Two-Hearted. Yep, especially at 10%, you can drink more of the Two-Hearted without getting too sloppy as well. So I'm with yep. you. Well, good. Well, that was a good review. Um, whose turn is it to decide whether we chug or not? So I'm pretty sure I was the last one to decide when we were doing our end-of-the-year special and we drink the Canadian breakfast stout. So I do believe it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was building up, and I couldn't hold it in any longer. It it worked out perfectly. Um, (laughs) So it's my turn, which is awesome. And you know me, I always like to to, be presented with the challenge to chug a beer. And, you know, this beer is called hop slam so it seems like we oh, should be man. slamming it however it's got slam in the name it does have slam in the name i think that we should rename it to hop sip for the rest of this podcast what do you say about that uh, i like it 
I like it a lot. I think that's a good choice. This is another one of those beers. It's just, it's, it's a, a very rare beer you can only get for a limited time. And I feel like it's one that we should just sip and enjoy throughout the show. And I, uh, I agree with your decision. Well, good. Well, let's, uh, let's sip on this for the remainder of the show as we talk about a ton, a ton of pickleball stuff. So if any of you guys left, oh, yeah. we're talking about beer, tell your friends, come on back. We're talking more pickleball. We've got a lot of good stuff here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my Siri is talking to me right now about syphilis. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> or my, my Amazon Echo. <laughs> yeah, seriously. She's still talking. Well, why don't you go ahead and start That's talking funny. about our, our next topic here while I mute myself until she's done telling me about syphilis. Right. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, one of the things I'd like to talk about is uh, a couple of our good friends, George and Rosie Cook. Uh, they recently went down to Florida for the USAPA Ambassadors Retreat, and they also got a chance to experience the USAPA Pickleball University that was going on down there. And while they were there, they got to meet a lot of very interesting people, a lot of well-known people in the pickleball world. And one of those people just so happened to be the one and only Sarah Ansbury. And they sent us a very nice picture. And there it is. There's Rosie with Sarah. That's very cool. And wait a second. What is on Rosie's shirt there? I think that's an Eddie and Webby t-shirt, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like it to me. That's pretty awesome, man. Eddie and Webby was uh, represented at the Ambassadors Retreat, huh? Nice. That's very cool. So yeah. thanks for sending us the picture, Rosie and George. I'm glad you guys had a great time. George has been raving like crazy. He keeps calling me, uh, leaving me messages about how great it is and how I need to get down there for next year's Ambassador Retreat. So it, does, it did look pretty incredible. So hopefully one of these years I'll get a chance to go down there for that because it looks like such a great time. You should do that for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, we had quite an amazing weekend a couple weekends ago, right? Webby, Webby came down and joined me here down in East Naples for a few nights. Uh, I don't know about you, but it was a blast. I had a great time. Oh, man, it was so fun. That was such a great experience. And uh, I, I got to say, I now see why you prefer outdoor play so much because uh, I mean, and especially the fact that you have a, you, there's a court like 300 yards from your house. I mean, come on, that would be incredible. I would love to play there every single day. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was such an awesome weekend. I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was actually worried that you weren't going to be able to make it down though. Cause of all the crappy weather you were having up there in Detroit. Yeah, I was too, for like, for days leading up to the trip, I just, I, I was refreshing the weather channel like crazy because i kept getting all these weather severe weather alerts because of the the severe weather winter storms that were coming our way here in detroit and actually just 14 hours before my flight time the uh the airport was closed and i should say uh two days before my trip the, the airport was closed for 14 hours is what i meant to say so for 14 hours straight the detroit airport was closed and no flights were coming in no flights were going out so i thought for sure that was going to affect my flight and that I'd be delayed or wouldn't even be able to make it. So luckily my flight was not delayed and I was able to make it down there in time. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was sweating bullets there for a couple of days there. Cause I thought for sure my trip was ruined because of this stupid weather. Yeah. It was a crazy, crazy cold up there. Um, but good time. Glad you made it down safe. 
So Webby really came down to hang out, but also because we were playing together in the East Naples Winter Classic um, over at East Naples Community Park, home of the U.S. Open. And him and I were playing men's 3.0 together on that Friday. And, uh, well, we played. We played some games. We did. Right? Yeah. We had fun. Right? Lots of fun. Very fun yeah. experience. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't play as well as uh, we probably could have. And I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think about all that, Webby? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was going into it much more confident than we were going into the Beer City Open, which was the, the last time you and I played together in a tournament. And uh, I felt a lot more confident going into it. And we started off the first game, and we were we actually started off pretty good. I think we took an early lead, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, things kind of fell apart for us for a little bit. I feel like we didn't play bad, um, but we just didn't play good enough to to beat the first team that we played against. So uh, we actually lost the first two games we played against with the first team. So it's a best two out of three series. So we lost two. So that was it. We were done for uh, round one. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, round one we won because we had a bye. And I don't know about you, oh, but that's right. I hate <laughs> buys because you're playing against a team that's already warmed up. They already have at least two games under their belt. And here you are just trying to get through the pre-tournament jitters and being, you know, and, and going up against a team. So as much as I was grateful that we won the first round and we made it to round two, I still feel like, I don't know, I, I would have rather played that first game and not had a buy. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I do think we were definitely at a disadvantage. The fact that we had a buy in round one, um, we were, uh, we weren't warm. I mean, we, we practiced, I mean, we like, we, dinked around and hit around for a bit to warm up before the tournament got started. But then we were sitting there watching other teams play in round one while our muscles were cooling off and we were getting cooled down. I mean, we tried to like stretch and jog around a little bit to, to loosen up, but it's just, it's not the same as yeah. playing some actual games. So I feel like everybody's kind of at a, a level playing field in round one, because it's everybody's first game. And then come round two, the team we played against already had a series of matches under their belt we were cold, and uh, yeah, I definitely feel like that worked against us. But it's—I mean—it's still not a good excuse. We still should have done good enough to to win, but unfortunately, we did not. Nope. And then we were in the opportunity bracket and played yes. played against the two Garys in the opportunity bracket. Uh, and I feel yep. like we we. I don't want to say we played better because going back and looking at the footage, like I still don't think we played really well together. I, I don't know why, but we, you know, we went out there and we, we grinded it at least. Yeah. We, we came home with a W uh, we, we won against them in that round, but yeah, looking back at the footage, uh, we really <laughs> didn't do that good as a team. We could have done a lot better as a team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But we did win, and that was our first tournament victory together of any any games that we played. So that felt good. Yes. It's almost like it's almost like that lifts the curse off you, right? It's like, all right, now yeah. I know I'm a tournament winner. Now I know I can actually win yep. games. So now we can just go and keep doing it. Exactly. Yep. It was. Uh, yeah, definitely a milestone for us. Our first tournament victory together. Our first win. So yeah, we don't. We no longer have that to have that on our resting on our shoulders. So 
that part's gone. So I feel like uh, no matter what, going forward, we're in a much better position than we used to be. So yep. that's a good takeaway. Yep. So we were still in the opportunity bracket, and then we went on to our third game, which was technically round four. Uh, and I think we played much better this game. I think this was our best game that we played out of the four matches during the tournament. Would you agree with that? I agree. I, I thought we played very good together that game. Uh, we still made some mistakes that we easily could have prevented. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I feel like that was our, our strongest performance as a team. Yep. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough, and we got taken out. But what the final score of that one was, what, 15-11, was it? It was either 15-11 or 15-10. Yeah. Um, but we, we made a pretty good we, – we're starting to make mm -hmm. a pretty good comeback because at one point, I think they were beating us 10 or 11-4. to 4, So it was not looking good. And we uh, we got in a pretty good run there, and we made it real close. Uh, but then, unfortunately, they scored those last few points before we could uh, really get that groove going again. And and uh, and with that loss, we were out. We were done with tournament play, but we ended up sticking around and played on like the Minto U.S. Open Championships court for God, what another three hours that afternoon? Yeah. Yeah, we played more games after the tournament than we did during the actual <laughs> tournament. <laughs> a lot more games. Uh, Anthony, uh, he he was live streaming some of those matches as well using his Ace Clicks Facebook page. So that was kind of cool. Got uh, got some exposure there. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny is I feel like if Webby and I would have played during the tournament how we played during the rec play after the tournament, we would have probably gone to the gold medal match. I, I don't know... You know, given the guys that won gold, uh, they would have been tough to beat even at both of our best, right? Um, but oh, I yeah, do, for sure. I do think we would have made it there, and we would have had a good competitive game with them had we played like we did for the three hours after the tournament. Oh, for sure, I agree. If we if we played as good as we did during the rec play, uh, I have no doubt in my mind we would have at least gotten bronze. And I'm very, I do feel pretty confident we could have made it to that gold medal match. Um, yeah, it just, uh, it's a bummer. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, I still, I just haven't been able to shake the tournament nerves quite good enough yet to not play too stiff during the tournament games. Yeah. Everyone gets a little bit easier, but I do agree with you that, you know, the nerves get tough, but we just got to keep on, keep on playing them, right? Keep on keeping on. Yes. So that was day one of the tournament. I had a great time there. Day two, which was that Saturday, was mixed doubles day. So uh, my partner, Nicole Miller, from Grand Rapids area, came all the way down from, you know, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, all the way down to Florida in order to be able to partner with me and play that Saturday. And, you know, Webby, he had a partner that was from the Fort Lauderdale area a couple hours from here. But unfortunately, the rain did not want to cooperate and that morning at what was it like 6 a.m. We had an email saying that the start time has been pushed back to at least noon, but we'll have another update at 9 a.m. Is that was that right? Yep, that is absolutely correct. And at the time, to be honest, I was a little relieved because we stayed out a little later than <laughs> I thought we would the night before. And well, uh, the, the extra sleep, the, the extra sleep was sounding pretty nice. So I was OK with that part of it. Um, but then I looked at the weather app. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I looked at the weather app, I was like, 
I don't think this tournament's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and uh, un- the, the, unfortunately, the not look good. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, my assumption was correct, and uh, we got the email a little bit later saying the mixed doubles tournament is canceled. Yep. And based on the radar and what everything was going to look like, I totally get it. Like that, th- there was no hope that we were going to get any pickleball in that day at that point. It, I mean, it literally felt like it was, it was hopeless. And you got to remember there's 50 courts over at East Naples. So even if the weather did clear up, there would only be a little window to get those courts dried, have a few games and the rain was going to come again. Right. So I, I actually totally agree with the decision from our tournament director to, to cancel that. It seems to me like, you know, that was, that was definitely the right decision. Um, Yeah, for sure. It was definitely the right call. I, I have no objections to them canceling the tournament due to the weather because there were a few breaks in the rain, but definitely not enough to do a tournament. Let me tell you, in Florida, it rains like that consistently for hours at a time, maybe two to three times a year. That's it. And the funny part is those two of those two to three times happened when Webby was down visiting. So I felt bad for (laughs) for the fact that the weather was so bad. But um, the good news is that one of our neighbors reached out to us and he said, Hey, let's go get our community courts right off. So the four courts in our community, he said, let's go up there. Let's get those dry because there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to be able to play in the tournament that I'm sure are going to want to play. So we rush up there, we grab brooms, we grab um, a couple of the like leaf blowers and we're doing everything we can to get these courts dry. And when I mean dry, I don't mean like bone dry. I mean, dry enough to where you're not standing in puddles, basically to where you're not going right. to slip and fall and break your ankle. Yeah, there were standing water puddles. I was getting a big push broom, pushing them so the puddles were smaller. That way you could take a leaf blower and blow them to dry them off a little more. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty tough work. I still I still have a blister on my hand that's recovering from uh, from all the sweeping I did that day to get the yeah. puddles gone because I wanted to play some pickleball. Well, fortunately, we were able to, which is great. Um, so Anthony and his mixed partner came over. Uh, Tom Miller and his wife, Nicole Miller, who is my mixed partner, they came over. Another guy in my community came up and we were able to get a couple of games in between, uh, between, you know, a, a little break in the rain, which was pretty awesome. And that match was the Eddie versus Webby two match. Oh yeah. It was originally going to happen the following day. And we decided, Hey, let's take advantage of this break in the rain. Cause we don't know when this rain's going to stop. Uh, let's go ahead and work in Eddie versus Webby too. And that's what we did. Yeah. Originally we had different partners picked, uh, but unfortunately just with scheduling or whatnot, um, we ended up finding different partners. And what was great is my mixed partner who I was supposed to play in the tournament with that day, Nicole was around. And so I was like, great, her and I will partner together. And Webby, what about you? Uh, so my my mixed partner was not around at the time, but Anthony's mixed partner was Alyssa, and uh, she agreed to team up with me. So we went ahead and had ourselves a little mixed game, little mixed doubles action going for the Eddie versus Webby two match. We did. Um, it was pretty cool. It was uh, it was live streamed again once by Anthony under Ace Clicks, so that was kind of cool, um, and. We played. We had we had a little window between rain, and we kicked it off. And I got to tell you, again, the way that Webby and I played, had we done that together during the tournament, we would have done awesome. But it was almost like right? there's this no pressure. 
rec game. And although it's very competitive, the Eddie versus Webby stuff, it's also a little bit more comfortable. I felt more comfortable because yeah. it was on my home courts, the courts that I play at all the time. So it was a very different experience. Yeah, and to be honest, like that gave me more motivation. The fact that we were on your home court, I was like, man, I want to beat him on his own home court so badly. <laughs> it just it fired me up. It gave me that extra motivation that I needed. And that first game, that wasn't that was one of the best games I've played in quite a while. I mean, it was back and forth the whole entire time. Um, we took a, a pretty significant lead at the beginning. I think at one point it was six to one. My team was winning. I was feeling pretty good, but you guys ended up getting on a roll there. You tied it up. Then you took the lead. Then I think we uh, took the lead back. But in the end, I hate to say it, but Eddie and Nicole were victorious 11 to 9. But man, that was a good game. Such a great game. That, that's one of those games where I, I didn't even care that I lost just because yep. it was so good. Yeah, I would lose every one of those games. Or, or let me rephrase that. If every game that I played was like that, I would be fine losing because I had so much fun. We got into some great dink rallies. We were all playing the way that I feel like pickleball is supposed to be played. We were going after unattackable shots. Our drops were hitting. Man, I thought it was so much fun, and I would play games like that. I, I wish every game was like that. Oh, for sure. And like the thing that bothers me the most about our first Eddie versus Webby match that we did during the Dink for Pink is like the score was 15 to 5. I mean, it wasn't even really that close, and uh, it just it left a very bad taste in my mouth. And uh, I just knew that wasn't it wasn't me. It wasn't my normal style of play. I think I just let things get get into my head. Um, this time it was a whole different story, a whole different outcome. Uh, even though I lost the first game, it was very close. I felt good about myself. Um, so then we switched sides and went on to game number two. We did. Um, and I thought game two was also a great game. We started off and you guys rallied a little bit and then we kind of came back a little bit, you know, it was a little back and forth there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you guys ended up taking a, a bit of a lead. And I think at, at one point it was eight to four and you guys had the ball and we were going back and forth, had a real good volley going. And then we had a little bit of an incident and uh, Nicole Miller smashed the ball right into my partner's face. She is such a bully. No, I'm just kidding. It was a total accident, but man, that ball smacked Alyssa right in the mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. She got crushed in the lip. I mean, uh, we could all tell on the court, too. Like, you could almost hear her lip just burst. Like, oh, God, yeah. I felt so bad <laughs> yeah. for her. Yeah, but I mean, she was tough about it. She didn't even like we like everybody said, are you OK? Do you want to take a little break? We'll do a little timeout. And she was like, nope, let's keep going. I'm fine. So, I mean, got it was pretty impressive right there. Um, but then, uh, how did, how did it go from there? Well, I mean, I think we scored a point. It was nine to four, went back and forth a few times, but that's when the rain came. Yep. It, uh, it was started off as like a, just a light little drizzle. So we were like, ah, this is fine. Let's just keep going. We'll be fine. We can at least finish this game. Uh, but then at one point it started, it came, it turned into full blown rain you could see the the moisture building up on the court, and uh, we did a we did a little rally. I think the one where you guys scored your ninth point. Um, it was a ball that normally Alyssa would have ran after to hit, but she was just like, I I don't feel safe running on the court for those kind of those kind of balls now. So I think Nicole Miller was the one that kind of waved it off and just said, No, this this isn't uh, this isn't safe playing conditions. We got to call it. Yep. So unfortunately, 
We had to call it call it quits for game number two before it was done. And I'm so mad because we were up nine to four and we had already won the first game. So all we needed were two more points. And then I would have legitimately won Eddie versus Webby too. But the winner of that match ultimately was the rain because we couldn't finish. So there was no definitive yep. winner of that. Yep. And even though you guys only needed two points, they, I mean, I've won so many games down where the other team had nine or 10 points and we only had like three or four. I've come, my team has come back and won. So to me, th- that game was far from over. So uh, even though you only needed two points, I, I still don't think that it was a, a, a guarantee that you guys were going to win. Unfortunately, we'll never know that. Um, so yeah, there was a uh, no contest due to the weather. So there was uh we don't have a clear winner from Eddie versus Webby too, unfortunately. Yes. And if you can see here where, let's see right there, you can see the Eddie and Webby championship belt that is up on my little shelf there. Uh, technically I am still the, the king of the court. What are we going to call it? Right. I'm still the reigning champion because I did win Eddie versus Webby one, but that belt is going to be brought with me to Grand Rapids at the end of this month because we're going to be having Eddie versus Webby 2.5 at the Midwest Indoor Winter Championships. Oh, yeah. And finally, we will know once and for all who the Eddie versus Webby champion truly is because game one, we just did one game to 15. To me, that's BS. You can't prove anything in just one game. You got to do a best two out of three. Uh, game two, we couldn't finish, so we don't know. So I still, even though you possess the belt, to me, I'm not convinced. I am not convinced you're the better player. But I think we're going to get some pretty good conclusive results. Whoever goes home with the belt after the next tournament, after Eddie versus Webby 2.5, I think it'll be safe to say that at that point in time, they are legitimately the Eddie versus Webby champion. Yep. For then. Right. Until the Eddie versus Webby three. And then we'll find out again. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, time changes <laughs> things. I mean, it does. I mean, uh, I'm a different player now than I was three months ago. So. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Uh, the good news is happens. that the Midwest Indoor Winter Championships is going to be indoors. So we don't have to worry about the rain. Uh, yeah. You know causing issues. And actually we should probably reach out to the tournament directors and <laughs> make sure that it's okay that we can take a court on one of those days. <laughs> yeah. But that's a, we'll figure that that's out. a very good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess we should probably plan that out. At least luckily we know a lot of the tournament directors in yes. the Grand Rapids area. I think we should be okay to work something out. Actually, isn't one of the tournament directors, the guy that you, you played with in Eddie versus Webby one. I do believe so. Yeah. So anyway, something we got to do. But we yes. will uh, we'll definitely take care of it. Um, all right. Well, another thing, too. That, Adam. Oh, oh, go ahead. Adam Deem actually made a, a comment on Facebook that's kind of funny here. He said, that's when you flip to lefty and play with a beer in your hand. No hard shots. Dink only. Dinks only. If you spill your beer, you lose the point. Ooh, that's a good <laughs> Interesting. one. Interesting. So it's like you have to keep it in the kitchen with your opposite hand holding a beer. Oh man, I don't know. We might that have to try fun. that. That one. sounds super fun. Yeah. yeah. I think we think we do need to do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> that could be hilarious to watch too. <laughs> oh man. We Adam, come up with a name for that and let us know, man, cuz I you you own the rights to this, but I think we got to do that. That'll be fun. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. I love the idea. We're going to make that happen. So yeah, let us know what you what we think you should call it, and uh, we'll do it. He said, that way, you're not playing aggressive, so the rain is less dangerous. So, mm-hmm. oh, so he's talking for specifically like when the rain happens like that, but I think it's fun to try that regardless, no matter what <laughs> yeah. the scenario is. <laughs> rain or not, I think it'd be good. Um, that's awesome, man. So yeah. one of the things we talked about a little bit was the rain, and unfortunately, mixed doubles got canceled on Saturday, and then again on Sunday, it was very similar conditions, so... Uh, Sunday's women's doubles was completely rained out. Uh, and I got to tell you, man, there was a lot of uproar on Facebook, on the pickleball forum about the fact that there were no refunds given to the people that weren't able to play. Uh, and, and I can actually understand why people were upset. For example, my mixed partner came all the way down from Grand Rapids, Michigan, didn't get the opportunity to play paid, I think it was 60 bucks or whatnot for it, uh, and ultimately got a t-shirt. So I can actually completely understand why there are people who weren't happy with this situation. Right. What, what do you think about that? Wendy? Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So for the, for the women, like the women that signed up for this tournament, they didn't get to play at all. They couldn't play the mixed tournament. They couldn't play the women's doubles tournament. And like you said, uh, your partner, Nicole, she flew to Florida from Michigan so right there, you've got the huge cost of plane tickets, round-trip plane tickets. Um, some people don't know people where the tournament locations are, so they might have had to stay in a hotel for that weekend. So there you go. you got transportation costs. You've got hotel costs. Then the cost of the tournament registration. And then the tournament gets canceled, and you have absolutely nothing to show for it but a T-shirt. Um, so I, I absolutely can see why people would uh, would get upset about that. Um but on the other hand, I mean, when you sign up for these tournaments, it clearly does that. It clearly states that if it gets rained out for, or if the if the weather causes it to get canceled, there are no refunds. So, I mean, people know that going into it. So there's that risk that's there. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. We, one thing I would love for us to do on the show is get a tournament director on here so that they can talk about it. Right. Like how much of the expenses are paid for up front. Um, is there anything that can be done in these cases? But at the end of the day, it is a pretty black and white issue because when you sign up, it says on there, you know, um, game will not be rescheduled. If weather does not permit, there will be no, no refunds given. So you really can't be upset about, I mean, you can be upset about it, but you really can't, you know, say you're being done wrong here. You signed up for it. You followed those terms, but at the same point, maybe there is something that some of these tournament directors could do to help with that. I don't know, but if there's any tournament directors yeah. out there who have an opinion, please let us know because we really would like to uh, to get this out here and and you know let people know how it really goes down. Yeah, so if anybody out there listening is a tournament director or if you know somebody that is a tournament director that would be interested in talking with us, we'd love to have you on the show and talk about all this from a from a tournament director's perspective because um what a lot of people say and what I agree with is like, there should be something, some either like maybe a partial refund or maybe uh, a discount on a future tournament at the same venue or something. I feel like, I feel like something can be done, not just absolutely zero refund or anything like that. So I don't know, maybe there's things that I'm not thinking about that the tournament tournament directors know of. That's why we would love to have you on the show and, uh, and talk to us. Yep. Well, it was a fun weekend, and then Webby uh, 
Webby went home, but we got to see each other again very quickly after that. Um, but before we go into that, though, we know that there are two outstanding contests going on from our Facebook page right now, um, right? There's the who can who, who can come up with the best pickleball theme wrestling name, right? Yep. And then what was the other one? The other one was whoever correctly predicted who won the Eddie versus Webby two match. They would everybody who correct who picked the correct winner would go into a drawing and we would draw a name and that person would win a t-shirt. So we have two t-shirt contests out there. Yes. Um, and because there was no definitive winner of Eddie Webby two, we're going to extend that contest through after Eddie versus Webby 2.5. So if yes. based on you seeing the video of us playing and saw that one of us was superior to the other when it came to playing and the score definitely reflected that, and you want to change your vote, uh, then I definitely think you can at this point. There's there's no issue with yep. doing that. Um, and then after Eddie versus Webby 2.5, we will announce the winner that correctly picks who won, right? Yes. So if you want to change your vote, just make sure, uh, find our post on Facebook. It should be easy to find. And uh, just go to our Facebook channel. You'll see the post we did about the contest. And if you already picked one person and you want to change it, just put... I want to change my vote to, and as long as the uh, timestamp on that is before we do the next match, you will be eligible for the drawing. And then we're also going to hold off on the uh, on the favorite wrestling name contest as well. We're going to do, going to do them both on the same episode, so that gives you guys more time to come up with a good name. We've already had some really good submissions, um, so just let us know what your favorite. Like, come up with a pickleball themed wrestling character name put it in the comments of the post we did previously on our Facebook page so we can easily find it and uh, we will pick our favorite and that person will also win a t-shirt. Yes, one of these, right? Right there. Boom. Eddie and Webby. Nice. Well, man, it's already an hour and 40 minutes into this and we still have more stuff to uh, to talk about. <laughs> so I say we jump into it because it's all good stuff. We, yes. we have a lot of great content we want to bring to you guys. So um, so what oh, you, you sure. and I had something that we talked about when it comes to like how we look at, you know, playing pickleball and, and our growth and our journey that I thought was interesting. Um, why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So a lot of people say what they recommend doing is playing up. Like, let's say you've done a bunch of 3.0 tournaments, even if you haven't won, um, the best way to get better is to play people that are better than you. So why not just next time you do a tournament play up? I'm currently a 3.0 ranked player. Um, people say I should just go for the next level, do 3.5, and it'll increase my skills. Well, to me, I I feel like I need to earn the right to start doing 3.5 tournaments, and I feel like I need to reach the three point level or 3.5 level as my official USAPA rating, or I need to at least win a gold medal in the different types of tournaments I sign up for, whether it be singles or men's doubles or mixed doubles. And at the moment, I do have one gold medal, um, but it was in a, a round robin tournament that I did. And I'm, I'm very proud of that fact. Um, I love that medal. Um, but I feel like I, in, in my mind, I need to win a gold medal in mixed doubles or men's doubles in order to earn the right to go to the next level. Or if I end up getting my USAPA rating up to the 3.5 level, then of course I'm, 
I'm then I have to play a 3.5 level. But to me, I almost treat it like a video game. I need to earn my way to the next level. I think it's a good way to look at it too. I mean, video games, it's very structured. You know, you beat level one, you go to level two and you keep going up and up and up and things get increasingly harder. So I definitely see how that might be good for you. Um, I, I like a little bit different of an approach, right? I want to definitely challenge myself a little bit more. And I think it was Ben Johns that was on. And when he was on, he was talking about how, what's the best way to get rid of some of your tournament jitters. And that is to actually play up. Cause I think when you play up, you lose that expectation of, whoa, I'm the same rating, so I should beat them. It's like when you play up, it's almost like I have nothing to lose. If I get beat every game, I'm not playing at my level, so I have nothing to lose. And if I win, awesome, then it's great. And that that kind of taking off the pressure a little bit, I think would personally help me probably do better in some of these tournaments. Yeah, and I can see that. That's a, a very good point. And I do think that would take the pressure off because I feel like uh, whenever I play people in rec play that are obviously better than me, I've played with 4.0 and 4.5 players before. Uh, to me, I just feel like, like what you said, I've, I've got nothing to lose. Let's just see what I can do against this guy. I feel no pressure. And in often cases, I do really good. And sometimes I beat the people that I'm playing against. And it's an awesome feeling. So that, that definitely makes sense to me. And I can see why people would want to take that approach. Um, but yeah, to me, I feel like I just, I want to, I want to earn the right to move up. And, uh, but that also brings me to the, to another thing, people that constantly play 3.0 tournaments and like consistently win gold medals. Uh, to me, if you, if you win more than two or three medals at a level, you need to go up. I mean, to me, that's sandbagging. That's in, in my opinion, even, even if your US, USAPA rating for some reason doesn't go up, but I feel like at that point it should start going up. Um, to me, if you're just, if you're constantly winning gold medals, in a lower level, uh, that's the sign of a sandbagger, my friends. Yep, totally agree. Well, good, uh, good conversation. Um, I think it's, I think it's always good to try and you know put a system around how you want to enter tournaments, and so figuring out the one that you like is important, and uh, just sticking to it. Yes. Right? Yep, I agree for sure. Well, speaking of tournament play. There's a couple fans of the show, friends of the show that are extremely talented tournament players and rec yes. players. They're just great pickleball players overall, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, definitely. And um yeah, and we, go ahead. We yeah, we we have a good friend uh some of you might be familiar with him, the Golden Boy Scott Golden. He actually recently posted a video to YouTube and uh, the video can be found on his YouTube channel by looking up Golden Boy Pickleball. And the video he posted features a couple friends of ours, Katie McGee and Cassandra Gurkey. And we'd actually like to play that video for you right now because it's uh, quite impressive. Yep. We're going to play the video while Webby talks about it. Um, we're actually not going to play the audio from it because it would result in uh, a little bit of a copyright strike on our channel here. <laughs> but, um, but it's good. Just watch it. And do uh, your thing, Webby. Yeah, so let's get right to it. So, like it says, Incredible Athleticism by Katie McGee and Cassandra Gurky. So we're going to see right here. Um, they're going to start playing here. Here we go. We got a nice a nice uh, rally going on here. Nice play there by Cass. And then, oh, look at that little diving save by Cass there. And then they hit a real nice shot back. But, oh, man, did you see that athleticism? Look at that. Look at that reach. Look at that. She did the splits. That's per talent right there. And it seemed like it was over, but nope. 
Cash came right back with an amazing play, and they got the point. I mean, I feel like three or four times during that rally, it seemed like that point was over. But that just goes to show you, like, don't give up. Like, if that ball is still in motion, do not give up. And that's that's evidence right there. Like, both of them were down on the ground at one point, ended up getting back up, making more incredible plays. I mean, that that's one of the most impressive points I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And big thanks to Scott Golden for putting that video out there. Uh, I was blown away by actually what I saw there. And the athleticism of both Cass and Katie is unbelievable. And I think that alone is great. But their tenacity to not let that point go, to keep staying in it. I mean, I felt like Katie almost did the splits trying to go after that ball. Do you know what happened to me if I tried to do the splits? I wouldn't be able to get up. They'd have to wheel me out of there. And she's just doing it like, "Ah, yeah, I'm going to stay in this point. Like, absolutely incredible. That, That is some of the most incredible the most incredible athleticism I've seen on the pickleball court in that video. Yeah, that was very inspiring, very awesome. And yeah, if I would have attempted what Katie did there, uh, I'd be out of commission probably for at least a few months. Uh, I would not be able to play pickleball. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Very impressive players. Uh, That video still, every time I see it, I'm just like, wow, blown away by that. Yeah, I've, I've watched it numerous times. I can't get enough of it. I mean... Uh, like to, to begin with, Cass made an awesome play, and that was even before she did the uh, the dive. She made a great save, and then she kind of dove for it, was on the ground, uh, and then Katie made that amazing, almost splits uh, <laughs> that stretch of a like a splits type shot, yep. and then uh, Cass recovered her momentum, got up, made another great hit, and then they got the point. I feel like the other team was probably just like blown away and just uh, they couldn't believe what they were witnessing and. And when they lost that point, I'm I'm sure at least three times during that rally, they were like, oh, yep, this point's ours. Wait a second. It's coming back. What? <laughs> and I, I don't know. Does that ever happen to you, Webby? Like sometimes I'll be playing and I'll basically be ready to turn around and go back to the baseline to serve my next shot. And all of a sudden the, the opposing team will make this amazing get. It happens very yeah. frequently. And every time I do, I'm always like, why are you? No, that ball has to bounce <laughs> for the second time before you walk away, you dummy. But it happens. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah, it does happen. I see it numerous times. I've been on both sides. My team has made amazing plays where they already assumed they had the point. And then also, I'll admit, I made the same mistake where I was like, oh, man, this is a sweet shot. That point is ours. And then here comes the ball back and we lose the point. Yep. Great video. Um, Hopefully we can see more of Cass and Katie playing in the future here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. I, I got to tell you, you know, me and Webby, we're, we're partners on this channel uh, and and I love what we're doing, but I'm super excited about seeing what Webby is able to do with pickleball in the Metro Detroit area. You know, he's an ambassador now. He's really trying to get the sport out there. And there's a couple of things that I think that that are worth mentioning here. Um, as we talked about earlier, I was actually in Detroit and got a chance to hang out with Webby last week. Um, and we've talked about it on the show before, but he started getting uh, pickleball at Hype Recreation Center in Wayne. Is that right? That is correct. And uh, one thing that I love is the fact that you were actually in town the day that we did the very first ever open pickleball for the public there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were a huge help to me because uh, I, I definitely needed all the help I could get that day. 
So it was awesome that you were there to help me tape off the the courts and then set up the courts. And we had a, a real good uh, good day with a bunch of beginners that day. And uh, ever since then, it's it's been steadily growing each week. And here we are a few months later, and we've got a good consistent group, usually at least 10 to 12 people every single week, sometimes more than that. We've been getting some experienced players lately showing up. It's been super fun, awesome to see it grow. And then you were in town this past week and joined me again for hype. And man, that that was the best night we've ever had there. The most people ever showed up. Um, I do think it had something to do with you being in town. So we told people if you want to get a chance to to play with Eddie and Webby, not to toot our own horns, but I feel like we had a little bit of a draw. Like I feel like we drew some people in by being together in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, either way, I mean, we had some awesome players there that night. And all three courts were completely full the entire time. We even played almost an hour over the time that we normally do, because we normally do 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, that day, luckily, nobody was there after 9. And the people at Hype were were very generous to let us stay uh, for almost an extra hour after that. And the courts were full the entire time. And what were there, like eight court, uh, eight paddles stacked up mm-hmm. waiting to play while the courts were full? I yeah, mean, it was that really was, impressive. That was awesome. You know, it's it's kind of like um, like when like when you see somebody that's lost a bunch of weight that you haven't seen in three months, right? That was kind of the situation that I had, where you know Webby has seen this kind of slow increase of people coming there. But when I was back there in September for the opening, there were two courts. It was primarily beginners, and we were even struggling to keep two games going. Right now, I show up. Yeah, ninety days later, all three courts are full. Very competitive play paddle stacking, people getting into long dink rallies. I was absolutely blown away by that. And I got to tell you, it's all because of what you've been able to do with that Webby. That is amazing what you've turned around at hype. And I I was just, I was blown away by it. Thanks, man. I I definitely appreciate that. And uh, I I definitely got to thank George Cook. He has helped out huge, helped out big time with, with getting this going. The weeks that I'm not able to be there, he's usually there. Uh, my buddy Mark, he's been going every week. He's been helping out a lot too. Um, so I've definitely had a lot of help. Couldn't have done it with, without the help that I have. But yeah, it, it's been awesome. Um, I feel like a, like a proud father almost watching a child grow with this experience. <laughs> so, And uh, uh, another great thing is just uh, the fact that just I've some of the beginners, like some of the people that were beginners shortly after we started this thing that had been coming regularly, they're becoming really decent players now. And it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome to see them grow as players and to be able to witness that from the time that they first ever played pickleball to now uh, where they can play good competitive games. I mean, that right there, another proud, proud father moment, if you will. <laughs> yep. It's pretty amazing. Um, but there's also something else too that uh, you're pretty excited about, right? Yeah. And that's uh, it's my next mission. Um, I'm still definitely going to work at uh, helping the the pickleball program at Hype grow. Um, but Eddie and I were discussing it, and uh, something that is sorely lacking is places to play pickleball in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. So that is actually going to be one of my big missions for 2019 is to try and get some place to play in Detroit, specifically for people that work full-time jobs. I'm talking like something in the evenings, maybe even something on the weekends, something to where people that work can play because there's a ton of people working downtown Detroit right now. And I bet 
there could be a huge pickleball scene in Detroit. And right now there's absolutely nothing. So yep. we, we got to change that. And uh, that's going to be one of my goals. I think you can do it. I think you're going to do it. I think I'm going to come to visit sometime this summer and I'm going to see pickleball somewhere downtown. Yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be awesome. If I, if I can make that happen, then, uh, that's, that's going to be a pickleball dream come true. <laughs> yes. Well, if anybody can do it, you can. Um, and I'm super excited to see more of your adventures as an ambassador. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And we actually have a, another comment here from Adam Deem. Uh, thanks, Adam, for sticking around. He's been around pretty much this whole episode. He said, what days at Hype? It's a bit of a drive, but I'm not old enough to play most evening places around me. <laughs> and uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Like when I first learned how to play pickleball, uh, a lot of the places that had pickleball in the evenings, you had to be at least 50 years or older. It's like, yeah. it's crazy. Like the places that have convenient times and locations, I'm not even allowed to play at. It's ridiculous. It's ageism. Um, but to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, it definitely is ageism. It's it's horrible. This is 2019. And we need to end that kind of right. stuff. But uh, to answer your question, Adam, it is Wednesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. in the city of Wayne. Uh, it is the Hype Recreation Center in the city of Wayne is where that's at. So anybody listening, if you're ever in that area on a Wednesday evening, feel free to join us at the moment. It is, uh, it's only $3 for the drop-in cost. And uh, it's a great time. We got a, a good little group going there, but we could definitely use more because uh, we need to show the place that there is a demand for pickleball. And as long as they see um, a consistent, good group of people coming, they said they would let us do additional evenings, maybe different times of the day, maybe weekends. But uh, yeah, definitely. If anybody wants to come out, please show your support. Let's Let's get this sport growing even more and more, especially for us full-time workers that don't have many options. That's right. Wow. That was a lot of pickleball content, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. I love it though. I love it. Good stuff. Um, and we are dangerously close to missing our flights to LA for the Grammys here. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta get going ASAP. <laughs> yes. I, I'll, the, the private jet's going to pick me up here and then we'll swing by and pick you up on the way to LA so we can we can be there in time. So just be ready, all right? Sounds good. Yes. Well, this was episode number 33, which means there are 33 listeners of you out there right now. And we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, Webby and I are going to be together at the Midwest Indoor Winter Championships. That is the first weekend in March in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the... What is it called? The Grand Rapids Tennis and Fitness Club? I can never get the name right. I think I think so. I, I keep forgetting to. It's, or the, is it the Grand Rapids Racket and Fitness Club? Tennis <laughs> Club? Ah, oh, man. We should probably learn. We should probably figure that out. Yep. We're gonna, we might have an episode next week, so stay tuned. We'll get, we'll get the name right next time. <laughs> yes, we will, we will get the official name for you, but it's on Plainfield in Grand Rapids. It's where they moved us indoors for the Beer City Open. Great facility. Super excited for that. Get to hang out with our Grand Rapids peeps, which are always a lot of fun as well. And I think that's the show. Right? Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a great one. It was a good one, but uh, all great things must come to an end. And until next time, this is Webby, not Eddie. Signing off. So yeah.